Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. And if you're here, it's because you believe in doing things, big things. And today's keynote speaker, Ty Haney, is on the same page. Haney founded Outdoor Voices, a vibrant, fun-first athletic wear brand back in 2014. And during Haney's time with Outdoor Voices, the brand became synonymous with IRL events like these that brought shoppers together to celebrate movement. And today she's here to talk about how to bring that same IRL magic online with the next wave of community-driven technology. Haney's new brand, TYB, which stands for Try Your Best, makes Web3 community-powered growth tools that allow brands and fans to directly link, come together, build, and win together. And if you don't know what that means, it's okay, because by the end of this talk, you are going to be a pro. So without further ado, let's get straight into it and welcome Ty Haney to the stage. I'm so excited to be here with you, Ty. I've been a fan from afar. I've gotten to know you over the years and see your journey. And you're an icon in the female founder world. So we're going to just dive right in because I have a lot of questions and we're going to get into it. So now you're a second time founder, but I wanted to spend the first few minutes talking about Outdoor Voices, which is your first company. And as I mentioned, Outdoor Voices launched almost a decade ago, which is crazy to think about. And it instantly became a viral community, filled with viral community moments and outfits. And in 2019, you even took the exercise dress, the most iconic OV garment on tour and hosted a thousand person dance class in New York's Lincoln Center. So fun. So when you started Outdoor Voices, what did you envision as a community aspect? Because you're essentially launching an, an activewear brand. Yeah, our mission at OV was to inspire people to move on a daily basis. So I grew up in a town called Boulder, Colorado. Also, I have a Lindsay Lohan voice, so at <laughs> least this will be memorable. And Boulder, Colorado is super outdoorsy. You're hiking, biking, skateboarding to school, etc. It was a way of life that I just understood. 
And not only was it great from a physical perspective to get your energy out, et cetera, but from a mental perspective, I found that movement was super important into being myself every day. I then moved to New York, went to Parsons, was in art school, wasn't being active. I think I was on the intramural basketball team for like two days, but all of the security guards were like six foot three and I would just land in their sweaty armpits. So I wasn't moving. And I think it was my junior year at Parsons that I recognized the effect mostly from a mental perspective where I wasn't being active and you know there were negative impacts because of that. And so I had also grown up wearing Nike, Under Armour, loved them. I was into track, cross country, and the goal was to cross the finish line first. But in this moment, I needed some sort of motivation just to move. And so I recognized there was an opportunity to create a brand that looked and felt very different than the traditionally kind of athletic, male-founded activewear brands. And so I started After Voices really about creating this inclusive, approachable brand that got people excited about being active in you know, any way, shape, or form. And so it really started as a community that was passionate, engaged, and excited about moving together. We called it doing things. I love that so much. So what part of the community building piece are you most proud of when you look back at Outdoor Voices? Yeah, we had a many thousand person distributed network of what we called Team OV, and it was our best customers, people who would come to events, et cetera. And so on a local level, there were dog jogs happening, there were hikers clubs, paddleboarding, et cetera. And we empowered kind of local Team OV members to host these. So they became owners in a sense of how the brand was brought to life, how it was activated. And that really led to this crazy affinity around not only the brand, the product, but doing things. So you have this experience of running essentially one of the hottest brands in the startup world as a first time founder. What were some of the learnings coming out of that and now obviously going into other ventures? This was something obviously very personal to me. So we were a mission based brand and, and we were taking off. We started here in New York and then moved the company to Austin. I was so passionate about connecting with and activating the community and, and really you know, attached to the mission in that I believe when you move consistently, you maximize happiness. So that was all consuming. I think a few things from an advice perspective that I would recommend. One is always have an exit plan. And that, that was something I didn't think about early on. I thought, you know, forever I'm going to run Outdoor Voices, this is it. And then times became challenging and we can kind of go into some of that. But having line of sight to a potential to exit is something now that's that's top of mind with my new company. So whether that's three to five years, having a plan with the potential to sell, not that you're going to, but that's something I can't, you know, you can't underestimate. Because at the end of the day, we want to make money. Yes, we want to build something that inspires people, has a positive impact, but it, it really is about the dollars at the end of the day. So having an exit plan is, is one of kind of my key takeaways. I love that. That's so true. I felt this exact same way when I started Create and Cultivate. Like I never knew that would, I knew that would be an option. I just didn't know how. And I think I always, you know, kind of tell other female founders the same thing. Like think about your own personal liquidity, your own personal plan. And it could be an exit. It could be you stepping secondary. down. Yeah. Or uh, secondary. That, another thing, take secondary. And that I started Dr. Voices when I was 23 or 24. So right out of school, I had no concept of what secondary means. It means when you're raising money when you're raising around the founder or kind of some of the team has the option to take some dollars off at that valuation. So it's kind of de-risking essentially in a way like the future in that you can take some money off kind of incrementally. 
takes the pressure off a little bit, which mm -hmm. is, you know, write that down because I think that's such great advice. So eventually, you know, you left Outdoor Voices, your baby, your first business. How did that exit help inform TYB and what you were going to go launch? Yeah, I'll spend kind of a minute on, on why I ultimately left. So we had raised a significant amount of money. And I think this was kind of an era where direct-to-consumer brands were being funded like tech companies. So like capital was flush. We, we raised way too much money, but that came with like crazy pressure to grow. And so what hap ended up happening in our case was our main investor, who I'm close with still, he, they were very much a software VC, but had seen kind of all these companies exploding in the D2C space, so started investing in Outdoor Voices. However, didn't have experience kind of in physical product creating businesses. So they recommended putting a board member in that, you know, had a legacy in retail. And ultimately, I found myself kind of in a situation at the board level where there were three very different views on how to grow. My view was this 360 community effort, which meant we had local or tiny little stores kind of in residential neighborhoods. We had field marketers, and then we'd always open these stores in a university town. And what we found was this kind of 360 community effort uh, we'd activate offline and then amplify through digital and social. So we could essentially unlock these markets online by activating and opening stores in this way. The two other views were, let's, let's grow through paid, paid marketing, just because everyone was doing it. And then the third view was traditional retail means big Fifth Avenue stores, it means malls. And so we ended up kind of having a bifurcated, you know, growth strategy where a lot of this capital was deployed in inefficient ways. And at the end of the day, that means you dilute yourself. And so control is another thing I'd advise. Like keep top of mind how much control you had because at the end of the day, that's what I lost and ended up leaving because of that. That said, this nicely led me to the new venture with TYB. If I look back at OV, our number one strength was community. And for brands, community being your moat is a real thing. And so we can get into TYB, but essentially it's a toolkit that allows brands to directly connect with their most loyal fans, request valuable action from those fans, and then reward them for that action. So really took my learnings from building community, having this crazy engaged, passionate fan base at Outdoor Voices and creating a toolkit now where other brands can do the same. Absolutely. So TYB is built around Web3. So Web3 can be very confusing. Like how many people here like, kind of get what web three is a little bit how many people have no idea raise your hand great um, yeah, nice. <laughs> perfect That's so okay. can you tell us a little bit about your you know concept of web three and how a, maybe a real world example about how you're working with a brand to help leverage your platform yeah of course here's what attracted me to web three initially this idea that users of a product or loyalists of a brand have aligned incentive or stake in the brand's success and are rewarded over time for their loyalty. That, I think another way to say it is like community ownership. So having stake in the success of something that you're invested in, contributing to, et cetera, is made possible with the blockchain technology. In terms of a real world example, well, I actually have a question for the group. Do any of you guys have, I call them collectibles or NFTs? Really? Okay, awesome. By this time next year, if we do our job right, everyone in this room will have a wallet and they're collectible from their favorite brands. But a, a real world use case, I'm gonna tie it back to Outdoor Voices and then I'll give you another example. 
At OV, we had a blue doing things hat that some of you might be familiar with. In the early innings of the brand, the only way you could get a blue doing things hat was by coming and participating in the mission. So one of our activities, whether it be running, et cetera, et cetera, you'd get a blue doing things hat. And then you'd see someone on the trail on the West Side Highway in a blue doing things hat, high five them, we're part of the same community, super cool. That was not only kind of a, a symbol of your, se your sense of belonging, but also part of self-expression. So people would wear it and like you kind of understood what, what, you know, and in some capacity their values were. That blue doing things hat as a physical thing becomes digital, lives in a wallet and unlocks perks. Whether that means access to an event like this, access to a private page on a shopping site, that's, that's the first kind of key concept as, as we start to think about Web3 meets consumer brands, is this collectible and utility associated with it. Hey, recording listeners, we're taking a quick ad break to talk about today's sponsor, Printfresh. Printfresh is a women-owned luxury sleepwear and lifestyle brand made for lovers of fun patterns and cozy pajamas. They recently launched their Printfresh Holiday Shop, a curated collection of cozy must-have gifts for making spirits bright. I know we're still a few weeks away from the holiday season, but there's just something about the cozy fall and winter months that makes me want to indulge in self-care even more than usual. After throwing on reruns of The Gilmore Girls, sipping a glass of my favorite red wine, doing my evening skincare routine, and some nightly reading, my print fresh set is the cherry on top of a perfect nighttime routine. Created by textile designer and fashion entrepreneur Amy Volition, festive-inspired prints are brought to life on organic cotton loungewear and statement-making home decor that is full of personality. Who says you can't have both fashion and function? These must-have cozy sets are vibrant and beautiful, and they're so comfy you'll literally want to keep them on while you work from home. No shame there. Plus, as I mentioned before, they just released their holiday collection. Did someone say perfect holiday gift? Whether you're shopping for mom or dad, friends or partner, or even colleagues at work, give the gift of comfort and joy and shop early for the perfect printed present. With sizes that range from excess to success, free exchanges, and all new accessories, holiday shopping has never been easier and more effortless. Warm wishes and even cozier sleepwear are ahead. The perfect fun and festive style is just a click away, so be sure to explore the Print Fresh holiday shop today. Go to printfresh.com slash workparty or use code party at checkout for 15% off your first order. See what's in store this season and snag your gift before they sell out. Head to printfresh.com slash workparty or use code party at checkout for 15% off your first order. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. So what are some of the benefits of Web3 community integration versus like a paid out on a Facebook or an Instagram or something like yeah. that. Yeah. At Outdoor Voices and with most direct-to-consumer brands, we spent 30 to 40% of our total dollars raised on acquiring customers through Facebook and Instagram. And from a data perspective, what we found was new customers who came through the higher touch community efforts ultimately were four times more valuable over time than those that came through paid channels. So we were spending a lot of money online to acquire people who only shopped at sale or were not sticky customers. And so ultimately, the best way to grow is 
slightly slower potentially, but this higher touch, almost word of mouth enabling type of growth. And so that's really what this toolkit enables is how do we bring in our tr most trusted close fans, have direct relationships. So all of this relationship, all of this data now lives on the blockchain, which means the brand has access to it versus behind kind of the wall of Instagram. And so one of the major, major benefits as it relates to this technology for consumer is one, brands have visibility to their community efforts and what that's netting, any collectible holder or community member and the actions they are taking as well as the incremental revenue that they're driving. Two, the wallet replaces cookies. And so we've heard for a while that cookies and all of this tracking is going away. The wallet now becomes kind of the consumer's passport and so that, that's essentially going to record the places you've been. And it's pretty interesting because as a, as a consumer, it puts the power in your hands where you get to opt in to share more data and are rewarded for it. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to completely change from a marketing perspective the relationship between brands and fans. I love that so much and I totally agree with you. It's funny, the number one question I get about, asked about creating Cultivate is how'd you build a community and you know how much did you spend on paid marketing? It's like, we spent nothing on paid marketing mm -hmm. up until very recently. Like I just didn't even think about that. And it was like, it, I think there is something to brands who really put that community first. Like you were saying those offline events and things like that. So obviously there's a million ways to gauge feedback from customers, reviews, feedback forms, stats, whatever. But in your opinion, what types of community feedback are the most important to pay attention to when it comes to you know, making money and growing and all those things? Let's see, so I very much believe that the future of brand building is two things. It's about co-creation, so empowering, again, these most trusted fans to come upstream into things like product development processes to help you pick colorways, influence, let's say, product testing and, and kind of feel like empowered kind of owners again of the development of, of a brand, help shape the future of a brand, and then incentivization. So getting rewarded for these contributions. So I think co-creation co and incentivization are, are where I'd land with that. I love that. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think incentivizing people is so important, especially it's, there's so much going on now. They're like, you're getting bombarded with a million different things. So that incentivization is gonna keep people coming back to your business. So we've talked a lot about community building, obviously externally for people who wanna engage with their brand, but let's talk about internal community building and culture with your team. So, you know, obviously now you've been teams of, or a leader of large teams, small teams, all teams in between. What have you learned? What are some of the big key lessons in being a leader and how are you creating that community within your own teams as well? Yeah. One of our operating values is it starts with us. And so anything that we want to model for the community or we want the community to be doing, the team does. And this is something I've taken from Outdoor Voices. So if we're launching a running collection, the team literally goes out and, and runs. And I think that's super important. One thing I also learned and apply now is that as the CEO, one of the kind of main things about your job is finding the five to six people that are going to be your leadership team. One of our investors is this guy, Gary Keller, who runs Keller Williams, a massive real estate fund. And he's like, Ty, all you need to focus on as the CEO is that five to six kind of person squad. And I remember back at Outdoor Voices, often a few of those people were missing. And, and I had been told like, hiring is so important. Who you have on your team is so important, which it is. But one thing that we found was making hiring or, or kind of that candidate a unicorn means it takes too long to get them in the seat. And so mm -hmm. that was something that I recognized is it's kind of like dating or choosing a partner. When you're looking for somebody, they're not going to have every single thing, but you need to find 
the, the people with the spike for exactly what you're looking for. And if I, looking back, I would have moved more quickly to really build out that five to six person team. So I could really make sure I didn't have blind spots. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. I think oftentimes as a small business owner, you know, if you're running a company, having someone like in your executive or C-suite team feels impossible. Like you're like, I'm just trying to keep up. But I think it's so important to bring in that senior level help because it really allows you to do what you're really good at and allows you to shine in that way. So that's great advice. So a lot of people at this event are interested in or trying to raise money. So can you talk to us a little bit about your fundraising experience, maybe some key takeaways of things that worked, things that didn't. And then also, obviously, once you raise this money, how you can manage external stakeholders, as you mentioned, board members, people who now have an opinion about your brand. How do you start to manage those personalities? Yeah, let's see. So from a raising money perspective, I got good at this by practice. So out of Parsons, out of school, I leaned on my .edu address to get into kind of VC's offices and, and start to pitch, et cetera. And I really refined kind of that craft just by doing it. I think I, early on I was told no, like, I think I say 50 times. I don't know how many, but a lot of times. And I took that as fuel and used it for the, for the next meeting and ultimately have gotten very good at raising money. I would say what, what I see kind of with young or first-time entrepreneurs is you need a plan and, and when you think you have a plan, you need to go plan 100 times more. And so it's kind of like the boys or girls scouts of the world, always be prepared. Being very precise and specific with the plan. What, do, what, what are the goals for the first year, the second year, and the third year has to be tight. And, mm. and when that's tight, it's a lot easier to raise money. I think the what and the why of a business is easy. It's the how that's the most difficult part. And so that's really what I've found investors are looking for. They, they want to have confidence in your execution plan. And ultimately, the future is not up for grabs. It's all about how you execute. And so that how, that super specific plan is fundamental for raising dollars. Absolutely. And so once you raise money, how do you start to manage out what those partners are like? Because I think some people, like you know, the difference between an angel investor and a venture capitalist and like their involvement in your business, for instance. Yeah, this goes for hiring and for selecting board members and investors. I now love this concept of try before you buy. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so build a relationship before you bring someone onto the board. I didn't do this before and then you're caught like, oh shit, this is totally not a fit. Now what do we do? And so in every instance that you're able to do that, like date before you get married, it seems obvious, but I remember just, or I know being kind of in the operating role, you're like, making a million decisions a day, like just get more help, you know, fast and furious, but really taking the time to do your diligence around who you bring into your world is super, super important. And I like that. that that's all. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love the snaps as well. Good stuff. So you're obviously super passionate about community building and Web3. Tell us what's most exciting about this next chapter with UIB. Yes. So here's what's super cool. Crypto unlocks a better business model for brands that are structurally reliant on ad platforms today. This is going to be a much more healthy, direct, and profitable way for brands to grow. We've been sold on this idea of direct to consumer, which is like not at all direct. There's so many middlemen taking part of your margin kind of before you get anything back. And so a true direct to consumer is coming with this technology. And I think that's that's what excites me. The other thing from just a kind of future perspective is, 
and I know this kind of intimately, is we're moving out of kind of the single, almost figurehead or like face of the brand as a founder, which can be really advantageous to this world that's more about the team. It's like a collective building of a brand. And, and I think back, I think to like the Chicago Bulls, there's Michael Jordan, there's Dennis Rodman. There's like a squad around this and it's more fun to win with friends. There's a really lovely author, two, two articles that I'd recommend anyone who's in the brand building space to, to dive into. It's called Squad Wealth. And so it speaks to kind of what I'm, I'm talking about here and headless brands. And that's a really exciting future, I believe, where it's really about building and winning with a team. Yeah, I love that. So for anyone in the audience who has a small business, like how can they work with TYB? Like what does that journey look like? Yeah, of course. We have a bunch of brands, big and small, going live over the next few months and into the, into the next year. I incubated a brand called Joggy, which is a plant-based energy company. It's meant to replace Red Bull with clean, steady energy. Go to joggy.tyb.xyz and unlock, for most of you, your first collectible. It's this very cute animated joggy doggy and it comes with perks. One of our main focuses with TYB is building an experience for the 99% of people who don't have any crypto experience, don't have a MetaMask, a Rainbow Wallet, etc. It's this really lovely, seamless way in to toe dip into the Web3 world without you know, having to have terminology like blockchain or Web3 or crypto. It, and, and it's very different than the crypto we see where it's very bro culture I, I'm very bullish on bringing like, people in this audience, young women in particular, into the Web3 space via the brands that they love. And so you'll see a lot of that from us over the course of the next year. I love that. So everyone go and download and get your first collectible so everyone can raise their hand next time. <laughs> so what is your number one piece of advice for anyone who's sitting in the audience who's intent on creating a community-led brand? Let's see. I think two things. Master the rules before you break them and having discipline around that. So whether you're, for, for example, I was in the apparel space. So inventory is a real thing. I remember one of our board members, as we started to like really grow, being like, how high is high? Let's push the boundaries of how many pink flamingo leggings we can sell. And so we bought like 10 times more than we should. And ultimately, we weren't able to sell all of those. So we had mountains of pink leggings forever, which is my nightmare. So master the rules in this case from a planning and inventory perspective before you break them. And then cash is king. And so I think we've like moved out of a an era where like sellout is celebrated, but like that's the coolest fucking thing. So don't make that mistake. And remember that cash is king. Yeah, especially right now with everything that's happening. That's so true. So we're going to wrap with some sentence finishers. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Community means to me... Belonging. My favorite way to move is... Getting joggy. I celebrate a win by... Huh. Doing a dance, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You uh -huh. do do a dance. I, I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ty, for being here and sharing your knowledge. So many good insights here. So where can everyone follow you, learn more about TYB, Joggy, yeah. everything that you're doing? Yeah, get your first collectible, joggy.tyb.xyz. All of your favorite brands will start to be brand.tyb.xyz. And your wallet will be whatever username you choose, .tyb.xyz, which you can share to social. And you can follow me at Ty Haney on Instagram and go get them, guys. Yay, thank you so much, Ty.
For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.